The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Okay, the words for today are sales transformation. You might be listening and say, hmm, Bonnie, is that an oxymoron when you put them together? And the answer is no, according to Bob Nichols. He's the author of The Journey to Sales Transformation, 25 axioms, important word axioms, for becoming a trusted partner to your customers. According to Bob, and I quote, it's a catchphrase. Sales transformation is a catchphrase for virtually every C-level executive in the race to find answers to questions about sales and earning growth, positioning and differentiation, even survival. I want you to stick with me for the next hour and hear what Bob and our other experts have to say about why and how your sales organization needs to change now. Let me give you a couple of intro quotes to my guests. Another quote from Bob. Sales is the most broken of all business functions. We're also going to be hearing from Kimberly Sr. from AT&T, and she says, and I quote, Transformation, like a leopard's spots changing, happens seldom and slowly. Transformation is a marathon, not a sprint. So the key to success in driving any type of transformation is committed, focused, disciplined, incremental improvement over time. That's a mouthful, and we'll be getting more on that from Kimberly and Nicholas Kantopoulos from SAP, calling us all the way from Singapore right now. I think it's midnight there, says... Salesforce automation is dead with a smiley face, and we'll be finding out what he means. So join us for sales transformation from approved vendor to trusted advisor. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'd love for you to tweet us live here during the show. Today is, let's see, it's August 15th, 2012. I'm in New York at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and you can tweet us at at hashtag SAP Radio. We'd love to hear your comments, even questions for the guests, and tell us what you're drinking for your coffee break today. Now I'm going to introduce my guests very briefly just so you hear their voices, and then we'll dive, deep dive into their quotes. Bob Nichols founded Burton Training Group, now Axiom Salesforce Development, way back in 1990. He has managed thousands of salespeople. He has been responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. That's a lot. Bob's sales programs have become the standard for Fortune 100 companies, including AT&T, Bell South, Disney Enterprises, Alltel, Verizon, and ESPN. A quick hello, Bob Nichols. How are you today? Good morning, Bonnie. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time, and I'll tell everybody why in a few minutes. Kimberly Sr. is the Executive Director of Professional Development for AT&T Business Solutions Sales Organizations. Kimberly has nearly 20 years leading sales teams and customer operations, in addition to big business card, Kimberly, marketing, communications, strategic planning roles. Welcome, Kimberly. How are you today? 
Good morning. Thank you. Um, I'm good, and I'm excited about our conversation. Wonderful. Me too. So glad you could join us, and thanks to Bob for referring you to us. And Nicholas, Nick Kentopoulos is part of the SAP Global CRM Solution Marketing Team, where he's responsible for developing the SAP go-to-market strategy for line-of-business sales and enterprise mobility for sales, service, and marketing. Welcome, Nicholas. How is everything in Singapore today? Dark. It's uh, midnight here, So, but yeah, very uh, very nice to, to be here, and I'm um, um, privileged to be in such great company. Well, that's very kind of you. And, and just for our listeners' note, there's a little tiny bit of a delay because we're talking so long distance to Nicholas. So we're going to add a couple of seconds in there for him to respond, and everything will be great. So let's deep dive. Bob Nichols, I have in front of me a copy of your book, The Journey to Sales Transformation. I see uh, uh, an evolutionary picture here on the cover from the ape to standing to man and a man with a briefcase at the end and the subtitle, 25 Axioms for Becoming a Trusted Partner to Your Customers. And you say here that sales is the most broken of all business functions. Talk to me, Bob. Why do you say that? I shall. I'll tell you what, Bonnie. Overall, billions of dollars are spent each year in an effort to improve sales effectiveness. It's a real focus for businesses. And a large part of that investment goes to sales training. As a matter of fact, estimates put this number as high as $4 billion annually. And an even larger sum is invested in technology around things like Salesforce automation. As a matter of fact, Salesforce.com alone had revenue of $2.2 billion last year. A significant sum is invested in consulting efforts that focus on strategy, sales compensation. As a matter of fact, estimates have Accenture sales effectiveness practice alone at $400 million. So clearly, sales effectiveness is an important area of investment for lots of businesses. But get this. Reports from research organizations show as many as half of all salespeople are failing to achieve their sales objective. The question is why? And, and more importantly, why is this acceptable in sales? If this kind of money was being invested in improving operating efficiency in a production facility, nobody would tolerate the same result, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact is the profession is broken. All the money being spent isn't treating the real problem. In fact, they're not even treating the symptoms very well. The reason all the investment in sales effectiveness fails to produce results is that so little is focused on changing the behavior of salespeople. And in sales, like any performance-based profession, it's the behavior that produces the results. And frankly, the behavior isn't changing. Okay, I want to tell everybody that I read your book. I'm almost to the very end. I'm actually going to save the last couple of pages for after the show because I wanted to be surprised at the ending. But I have to say, your book is a story. It's not a standard business book. Read chapters three and five and then take the quiz. This is a story about two men and their interactions in trying to achieve sales transformation. It's a charming it's a, is it a parable, Bob? How would you describe it? A parable, a, a fable? It's about an older gentleman who knows, subtly knows what it's all about, and a younger go-getter, wow, he's going to go out and conquer the world, and he's going to do it right, and he got the job. And then their lives intersect in a very charming way, and they become bonded. Uh, is this from your personal experience? Tell me fast, because I want to get to Kimberly. But is this something you lived through? Are you one yeah, of these characters? Absolutely. It's something that many of us have lived through. The, the whole book is about universally accepted truth. Right, and here's this, right. this wiser, older gentleman who's experienced um, what sales is supposed to be, and he's passing on this universal truth, this this lasting wisdom, onto a younger professional. So, it's an interesting read. 
I love it. Phil and Ben, great guys. We have a lot of static on the line right now, Brad. I don't know if you can fix that. Kimberly, let's bring you on. Your quote, this is so pertinent to what Bob just said. Transformation like a leopard spots changing happens seldom and slowly. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Talk to me, Kimberly. Well, I mean, I think I'll just be piling on to some of what Bob said, but, uh, you know, if you think about just even the definition of transformation, it, it is marked change, and it's a change in the people, the process, the tools, as Bob already mentioned. And while getting the process and tools in place are critical, it's the change in the people's behavior that is the toughest. And why is that? Why, why is um, it so hard? It's because change is hard. And it's hard because human behavior is made up of a complex system of habits, habits we don't even understand that we have. And um, habits, even when we know it's in our best interest and even when we know we want to change, are hard to break. So any individual, any organization that wants to truly transform needs to be in it for the long haul. You need to make sure you have a, a solid plan. You communicate and recommunicate. Um, around the vision for that. You need to have a system of accountability and measurements in place, and you need to make sure that there is just incremental improvement over time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Thank you, Kimberly. Great words of advice. And I have a quick question for you before we talk to Nicholas. My question is, Something we always find on this show, I always bring up, is the question of culture, corporate culture. Hypothetically, if somebody knew who has, let's say, read Bob Nichols' book about the journey to sales transformation, they know what it's all about. They come into an established, let's say, a, a, a big end, a, an SME or a, a big, big enterprise, and they say, well, I know, the, I know how this is supposed to go. And the people in the company look at them and say, yeah, right, what do you know? Is there going to be a clash of the titans there, or, or it, do they have an opportunity to come in and help the organization see? In other words, who gets to be the one to say to the leopard, you need to change your spots? Hmm? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great um, question. I think it's um, a different in every instance, right, depending on how strong the culture is, depending on um, the powers that be. Um, there's so many variables there. Um, but it does all start with making sure that everyone has that common vision. Everyone is fully committed to the belief and the need for change. And um, once you get that in line, then you can move forward. But if you don't have that belief, it's going to be very hard. Absolutely correct, and we see that in the book. By the way, have you read Bob's book yet? I'm not doing a promo for his book, but have you read it? I have a couple of times. A couple. I think this is a, a keeper on the shelf in the front row. Okay, let's turn to Nicholas Kantopoulos from SAP. Quote, Salesforce automation is dead. Smiley face. I've never had a guest send me a quote with a smiley face, Nicholas, so I appreciated that. So talk to me all the way from Singapore. What were you thinking when you sent this to us? Yeah, I mean, it might be an odd statement to say, considering I work for a software vendor that sells sales, uh, Salesforce automation tools, or traditionally um, sold those. Um, I mean, before Dork joining the dark side of the software industry um, uh, a little over three years ago or four years ago, I, I spent most of my career in sales, um, frontline sales through the sales leadership roles. I've always been a, a huge fan of um, CRM software and use CRM software, but when I look at um, all the failed projects I've seen um, through, throughout my career, which started you know, back in 1990, um, and see me sell you know, across multiple um, industries and geographies, 
um, there's sort of one common uh, recurring theme that I see in that, um, and it, it links to also a point um, that Bob had said, uh, mentioned in terms of also, I would say the same for sales training, is that it's often um, bought um, an approach to, um, uh, they buy these tools as a as light diet pill approach um, in terms mm-hmm. of trying to fix a problem as opposed to really digging deep and then addressing the, those core issues which both Bob and and uh, Kimberly have so eloquently uh, um, articulated in terms of the cultural changes that need to occur within a sales organisation. So, um, uh, so when I talk about Salesforce automation being dead, I, I mean in 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 the in the idea of it buying an off-the-shelf solution and and uh, plugging and playing it uh, into your organisation with the hope that it's going to transform your organisation. That won't happen. It doesn't happen. No one succeeded in doing that. So it requires much more deeper thinking. Um, it requires now what you know. I often talk about this desire to look at really how you can transform the the, the, the sales environment for a salesperson in terms of the way um, they operate, giving them the tools to that enable them uh, to be more effective. So, it's, but it's bringing those people, process, technology piece together, which Kimberly touched on and Bob have touched on, which I think is absolutely um, uh, you know a must-have if you're going to succeed in today's uh, 21st century sales warrior world. Thank you, Nicholas. I want to ask you, do you agree with Kimberly that transformation is a marathon, not a sprint? And how long do you think that marathon is? Any any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, to- I totally agree with that. Um, it's um, definitely uh, uh, a marathon. Um, and, uh, and again, it depends um, how big of a sales organization you're trying to transform. And, um, you know, I think uh, John, John Morley, if I remember correctly, he was quoted saying evolution is is um, not a force but a process. So, you know, you, you need to uh, have a, a definitely a big picture of where you're, you're heading. Um, that said, you don't have to eat the elephant in one bite. You know, again, it, you know, if you are going to transform your organization, look at where the low-hanging fruit is. Um, but, yeah, definitely you're talking a, a several-year process here. I mean, uh, if you're in a large organization, without a doubt. So you, you need real commitment in, um, you know, from the top C-level suite down to, to make that happen, in my view. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you, Bob and Kimberly. We are at our first break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. When we come back, we'll find out what Nicholas is drinking at midnight on his coffee break. I know he's going to need one during the show in Singapore. We're going to find out what Bob is drinking and what Kimberly's drinking. And we're getting tweets from Margot and Jamie and Malcolm about what they're drinking today. So you don't want to miss the coffee break part. Then we're going to deep dive into our roundtable and talk more about the sales transformation process. Is it possible? How long can it take? What does it mean to your company? We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com we hear it and read about it every day in the news 
Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Is marketing making us ill? And if it is, how can we heal humanity and the planet by changing the way we sell? This is Lynn Serafin inviting you to join me and a great lineup of thought leaders in business, media, and marketing on The Seven Graces of Marketing, Mondays at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. So let the dialogue begin. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Are. Bonnie D. Graham here with Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we're going to talk about Coffee Break. So let's start with Bob Nichols. Bob, where are you calling from this morning? Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, I didn't realize that. I have family down there in Ponte Vedra Beach. Are you anywhere near there? Uh, I am on the ocean about three miles north of Ponte Vedra. Very nice. I'll tell them to wave to you. So what are you drinking today? I am on my fourth cup of coffee. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier before the uh, show that I had broken a rib a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So sleep has been fleeting and and elusive. So in the mornings, to get my start, I drink a pot of coffee, and I'm about three-quarters of the way through it. Well, what kind of coffee? We need to know details, it is, Bob. It is Starbucks. It is Starbucks. Yes. It is uh, their Pike Place, one of my favorite places on the planet, by the way, in Seattle. And named mm-hmm. after that, uh, where here, their first coffee shop was opened. If you've never been there, it's fascinating. But uh, it's called Pikes, and I ground the beans this morning, and I'm on the pot. Just I'm just drinking the pot. Beautiful, I'm wonderful. I'm likely to finish it during this call, so bear with me if I start speaking way too fast. <laughs> so far, so good. They don't let me have caffeine on show days, Bob. You can figure out why. Kimberly Sr., what are you drinking today? Well, normally I would be drinking um, from my Keurig Green Mountain Hazelnut Coffee, but Today, I'm on the West Coast traveling, so I started my morning with a grande skinny vanilla latte from Starbucks. Ooh, that sounds very good. We're still waiting for Nick to call back in from Singapore. We had static on the line. Uh, tell me, what is the flavor of that? Is it a very strong, and do you, do you put anything in it, Kimberly? Any any doctoring? Well, I have to doctor all of my coffee. I am more of a, a little bit of a half-and-half half drinker with a splash of coffee, so... There's always a lot of half and half, and there's always something to sweeten it up. I do like the kick that it gives me, um, but uh, not a huge coffee fan. You won't see me with an espresso. 
Okay, and I'm going to read some of our tweets we received today. Malcolm says he's drinking his last cup of Equator coffee, organic French. Tomorrow, here's a news flash. Malcolm tomorrow starts on the Jaguar Espresso, a coffee you can actually drip brew, bittersweet chocolate caramel, hazelnut, and toast. Oh, count me in, send me a cup. Does that sound fantastic? And Kate says she loves SAP Radio and her Pete's Coffee. Hugs to Kate. Thank you so much. Margo says thanks for a great show today. Already, Margo, we're just getting started, but thank you for always being there for us. And she's drinking Nespresso Ristretto. And I think we're still waiting for, uh, yes, tell Nick to dial back to the conference call line. Malcolm, we're ready for him. Okay, so let's kick back here and let's go back into our discussion of Salesforce transformation. So I started out the show, Bob, saying it might be an oxymoron. How how uh, set do you think that the leopard spots are? We l- talked a little bit about culture. What is the, the problem? Is it new ideas coming in and finding resistance? Is it people just not getting it? Is it the wrong people talking about transformation? Is it the wrong information? Your book, I know, is very helpful, but not everybody has it yet. We wish they would. So my question to you is, how does it start? Where does it start? What part of the organization? And can you just post a, a blog, for example, say, everybody, I'm Bob Nichols. I can tell you how to do it. Read my blog every day, and it'll just happen. How does it happen? Well, I'll tell you how it starts, Bonnie. There are three things in business we're responsible for managing. In simple terms, they're people, process, structure, and, and a, lot, a lot of the processes around tools. But of those three things, if you ask people what the most important thing is or the highest priority is, invariably in sales, they say it's people, finding good salespeople. Well, unfortunately, that starts the problem. Because if you look at any part of any business that produces consistent results, it's because people have identified the logical, repeatable process by which that takes place. Selling is seen as an innate skill. You find somebody with an outgoing personality, aggression is a character trait. You give them some product knowledge. How they sell is irrelevant to most businesses as long as they produce results. And that's the problem. The vast majority of salespeople don't succeed at the level they should because they don't have the logically defined process by which they succeed. So the first thing an organization has to do is define that process. Yes, selling is not a, a, an art. It is a science. There are most definitely things that have to occur, just like in a production line, for successful sales to take place. That's the starting point. I've got to, as an organization, identify the process by which all of my people sell. Okay, let's talk about the process. You use the metaphor in the book of tartar sauce. Sounds kind of odd if you haven't read the book, but somebody is making this world earth-shaking wow tartar sauce, and the concept is that it has to be exactly the same and don't steal the pickles and don't steal the peppers from the cutting board because it has to be the same. It has to be a process that's replicatable. So I want to talk to Kimberly now. Kimberly, how much do you believe that the sales process has to be a process, a structured process that you could hand to any anybody and say, okay, you've got skills, but this is exactly how we need you to do it. We need you to to buy into it. We need you to embrace it. We need you to love it. And we need you to perform it. Is that the way to go, Kimberly? I I completely agree with that. In fact, I would go so far as to say success in anything comes out of a process. As Bob said, a structured, repeatable process that when executed with consistent discipline um, you know, drive success. So I, I completely believe that. Um, now, there's obviously within that process, and especially in the selling game, there is a, there, that the process is the foundation. 
you've got to build the skill sets on top of that that allow you to maneuver and do what is necessary to actually be successful in a um, sales role. But I completely agree. Okay. Now, my question to Nicholas is, you sent me a quote. Uh, Nicholas, welcome back, by the way. We're glad to have you back on the line. The growing importance of sales and marketing working together, old topic, but still one that has yet to be successfully addressed. Where do you think this marriage takes place and what part of the process, Nicholas? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an old problem. Um, but one that I'm actually confident is going to start um, being addressed uh, more successfully moving forward. I think there's a growing realization now especially in the sales uh, world, that, you know, they do have to change, that the um, the days of, you know, being the lone wolves of the enterprise and, and you know, being, um, you know, separate to the rest of the enterprise, which is, I think is part of the fundamental problem within most sales organizations, is that is a culture that's been encouraged. And because of the good times, you know, if we think back to pre-2008, you know, pre the, the global meltdown, um, you know, if you're a sales guy and you're working for a decent company, you know, and you, you, know, you basically, um, you know, work your customers well, you, you could hit your numbers. But, you know, the global meltdowns really um, shaken things up and really exposed, I believe, fundamental problems in sales organizations where there's been a real lack of innovation in terms of how they operate. Whereas if you cast, cast um, an eye, you know, in terms of other areas of the organization, whether it's finance or you know, um, other back office type functionalities right through to the manufacturing arms. All these areas have been investing heavily in driving more effective um, process optimization, you know, um, and that's where I think, you know, sales organizations have been really exposed and um, are having to address that. So I do fundamentally agree that, you know, process is, uh, is, 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 a, is a critical area uh, for sales organizations to invest in. Um, and I think a great starting point is looking at how they can, um, tighten their relationships between sales and marketing, and that's a you know it requires work on both sides. So I fundamentally do believe um, sales and marketing organisations will become much more tighter aligned, um, especially those that you know those companies that you know want to succeed will, will look to drive that level of transformation. Thank you, Nicholas. I have to tell you, your line is so clear right now. I think you're sitting here next to me in New York. You have the the best line, so That's thank great. you for calling back in. We're, we're thrilled. I have a question about relationships. I'm going to open this up to either Kimberly or Bob or both jump in. The question is, uh, one of the key takeaways I got from Bob's book, The Journey to Sales Transformation, is that it's not about how many widgets you have in your toolkit, how many brochures you can produce telling customers, well, we do this and we do that and we'll beat the price of the competitors. It's about understanding understanding the customer's business, what's important to them, what drives them, what their needs are, not uh, the the metaphor, I believe, was uh, a man with an axe will look for how many trees he can find, hypothetically, to chop them down. So, Bob, you want to take this first? It's it's about the customer. It's not about, hey, look what I have in my fuller brush kit today. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely, Bonnie. You know, the, the quote is, to a man with an axe, everything looks like a tree, right? Yeah, so you. what happens yes. with a lot of sellers is they approach their customers with their axe trying to find trees to shop, chop. And unfortunately, if there aren't trees in the organization to chop, there doesn't appear to be an opportunity. So everything is, everything is seen through that filter. What we need to do is change that conversation. As a matter of fact, my preference would be that salespeople leave their axe in their car when they walk into someone's mm-hmm. business. 
in order for them to connect with the customer, they've got to understand what the business is trying to accomplish, yes. what impact they're expecting to get from whatever products they're about to buy. I can't go in and automatically expect that my axe is going to serve the customer's purpose. And it's highly unlikely in this environment, today's environment, that you knock on somebody's door and they say, oh, great, the axe man is here. I've got to go into the business understanding what they're trying to accomplish first what they're looking for in terms of their goals, their plans, their strengths, their weaknesses, their challenges, their opportunities. Then I've got to determine whether or not my acts is appropriate for what they're trying to accomplish. Building a better relationship with the customer is all about understanding them first, not about understanding how our products are going to impact them. And that's a real critical shift in the conversation. It can't be about my acts any longer. It has to be about what that customer is trying to accomplish. Very interesting. And Kimberly, I want you to address this. We have uh, two minutes before the break. And one point I want to get in before you speak is that Bob also makes the point in the book that you don't always go to the same people in the organization where you're selling into. So, for example, if you're selling a tech product, a tech solution, don't always talk to the IT guys. Go talk to other parts of the business and see what's top of mind for them. Do you believe that? Absolutely. You have to understand the customer, the customer's business. And, and those sellers, we've done an excellent job in the past of, of training sellers to be able to talk about their product, right, what it does, the value proposition, et cetera. But the problem is that these days all of that is available to the buyer on the Internet or wherever. Our buyers are very, very sophisticated, very, very smart. They don't yes. need a seller to tell them about their product. They've already evaluated their alternatives um, most likely. So if you want to be successful, it starts with understanding your client, figuring out where you can provide the most impact on things they haven't even thought of yet. That's who wins going forward. And that's why we've titled this episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers, Sales Transformation from Approved Vendor to Trusted Advisor. And that is the big thing we're looking for here is to take the salesperson, put the toolkit in the trunk of the car, go in and say, how can I help you do more successful business with the, from the customer's point of view? On my lead, we're supposed to go out. But before we go out to break, I want to tell my guests that we have a tweet here from Jamie and he says I've always believed that incentives drive behaviors want your sales folks to get collaborative incentivize them thoughts question mark when we come back we'll tackle that one with Bob Nichols with Kimberly Senior and with Nicholas Kantopoulos this is Coffee Break with Game Changers we'll be right back don't even think of touching that mouse Brad out From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. 
Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're back, and we're going to address a tweet we got. We actually have a retweet of, uh, of what Jamie said from Hank, and the tweet was, I've always believed incentives drive behavior. Want your sales folks to get collaborative, incentivize them. Bob Nichols, from your vast experience at Axiom, founding Axiom and writing your book, what do you think? Is it about money, about recognition, motivation, uh, trips, I don't know, coffee makers, uh, trips to Pike Peak for a year's worth of Starbucks coffee from the original site? What do you think? Well, well, Bonnie, the reality is people will do what's in their best interest. Uh, mm-hmm. Salespeople, obviously, if they're incentivized by money or if they're driven by money, certainly money can help. But the reality is if a salesperson believes that what they're doing is not in their own best interest and not in the customer's best interest, they're not going to do it. So I can dangle money at you all day long, but if you believe it's not in your ultimate and your customer's ultimate best interest, it's simply not going to happen. It is certainly a piece of the puzzle. But my job is to make certain that people believe the processes and structure that I put in place are in their best interest to participate in. The result will be they'll sell more and they'll make more money. But the reality is they've got to believe it's the right thing for them to do first and foremost. The money will happen after that. Okay, good to know. Kimberly, yep. Sorry, this is Kimberly. I'll just add on to that for perspective for the person that wrote in. You might want to go out and read Daniel Pink's book on Drive because um, he offers up an interesting way of thinking about it and that people aren't really best motivated through money. They are best motivated through um, problem solving, through challenges. And um, while certainly we're not going to change the sales world and get compensation out of there, but um, there there is more to tapping into someone's intrinsic motivation to do anything than dollars. Okay. I have a question for all three panelists, Bob, Kimberly, and Nicholas. If everybody in sales happens to be listening to the show today and they hear these wonderful gems of wisdom from the three of you on how to really effectively do sales transformation for their organization and everybody gets on board, 
How will companies then differentiate if everybody becomes a trusted advisor? How will their customers differentiate all these wonderful advisors? Bob, is that nirvana? Would that be a, a wow for customers to say, oh, my goodness, I have 10 companies knocking on my door to sell to me, and they're all in trusted advisor mode. This is great. How do they differentiate then if we ever got to that place? That's a great question. You know, frankly, th some things never change, and this never will. It's whoever executes best, right? So we're all doing things that help us become a more trusted advisor to our customers. It will always be who is doing that best, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, frankly, that would be nirvana, but I, I, the, the potential of it happening, I think, are rather slim. Now, here's the challenge okay. we've got. I'm going to quote, give you a quote from Simon Hayward, who is a VP and Gartner fellow. Now, listen to this carefully. It doesn't matter what products you buy. Most products are now good enough to serve the majority of users most of the time. That's a really huge comment, mm -hmm. which means that it's up to us to differentiate our approach to our customers. It's up to us to become that valued asset, that strategic partner. Obviously, some people will do it better than others. Those people will be the ones who will grow sales, improve margins, and survive and grow. Very well put. Thanks for the quote. Kimberly, you want to add on to that? Yeah, I would add on to say that, um, you know, back to the original question about why wouldn't everyone do it? And, you know, mm -hmm. I've already said and Bob mentioned that it is there is a structured, repeatable process for success in almost all things, right? So, so it's available to everyone, but the reality is not everyone will have the disciplined and, and be willing to do the heavy lifting that it takes to actually execute successfully. Um, I think if you uh, read the book by um, uh, Stoltz around adversity advantage, he talks about quitters, climbers, and campers. And the reality for us in any organization is there's a percentage of folks in your organization that are going to be those climbers, right? They're always trying to be better. Organizations will be Some will be climbers. Some will be campers, right? They're just okay where they're at, and they're good with it, and they're just going to be comfortable in their base camp. And then there's always be quitters. So, you know, again, not everyone will do the heavy lifting necessary to be execute successfully. I want to read briefly something Kimberly sent me before the show. You said, Kimberly, you have an anonymous quote that's been hanging in your office for almost a decade, and I'll quote it. Excellence is never an accident. It is the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skillful execution. Thank you for sharing that, Kimberly. I hope one day you find out who said it because it's a lot of good uh, bon mot, a lot of good words of wisdom. I have a question for any of you at this point. Nicholas, we'd love to hear from you on this one. We've talked about the transformation, the mindset, if you're in sales, getting past the this is the way we've always done it, and talking about what matters to your customer, becoming that trusted advisor. Now, Anytime you speak about a relationship, there are two people in the relationship. There are at least two parties there. So if we have this retrofitted, bad word, retrofit mindset, Bob, Kimberly, and, and Nicholas, of the salesperson, how do they find the right person in the customer organization to approach to become that trusted advisor? Anybody want to take that? Stump the panel. Bob, I'm going to go to you. Oh, Nicholas, you got it? Okay. Go ahead, Nicholas. Well, I was Nicholas, chime talk. In. I actually had a comment for the previous one, actually, just to yeah. add, uh, if that's okay. Um, sure. I mean, in terms of, um, 
I, I actually would like to add, build on what the other guy said, because I, I think um, it's not all about just the sales organization. When I think, um, you know, I, th- I see the whole enterprise as being the sales organization. Yeah? Um, and I think Apple's a great example of that. If you think of, because um, you were talking about how do, you, how do you achieve competitive differentiation, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, ultimately it's that merging of people, process, and technology, bringing those three together, three key elements together in a unique fashion. And I think Apple's a great example of a company that's done that. You know, you look at their, their it's not just their products that's um, enabled them to become the most valuable company in the world. It's, it's how they've brought all of the people, process, and technologies together around a common um, idea, um, and ultimately, uh, you know, they've dominated in, in software, hardware, and now retail. So again, mm-hmm. it's looking at how you can bring the whole organization together um, as one uh, one entity um, that provides ultimately a, a consistent customer experience. You know, so it's almost like it's this the idea of you know having a one customer, one enterprise, one one journey or one experience. And I think that's really central to those companies that are, are really succeeding. And I think I heard a great quote from a CEO once, and I've forgotten who it was, but you know, he would challenge all of the organization uh, by asking them, what's your value proposition to sales? You know, whether you're in engineering, finance, marketing, and I think that's a really important point because it's not all the sales guys' faults that you know, a lot of the challenges they face isn't all down to sales. It's down to the organization as a whole, not aligning behind them to empower them, to help them execute, um, providing them the insights they need to be able to um, you know, get that competitive edge. So I just thought I'd add that to the previous um, question. No, that's great, and I'm glad you added that because that expands my question about relationship, Nicholas. We're talking about the relationship of sales, not only to marketing, as you said, but to the rest of the organization that's giving them something to sell. What is the value prop? How is that communicated to sales? What's really in their toolkit other than a catalog of part numbers. Absolutely. Uh, Bob, you want to, uh, we have four minutes before the break. Bob, you want to address my question about how do you find the right person in the customer organization to bring your trusted advisor value prop to bear on them and, and make that relationship stronger? How do you know who to go to? Well, a- absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll give an example of a, of a technology salesperson who goes in to talk to an IT department. They have to remember that IT products and services are always meant to serve the greater good of the business, right? It's it's not people don't go, mm-hmm. go out and buy technology because it's nice to have or it does neat things. It, it, it they do it to make certain that it's serving the best interest of the company. So if I have to leave the IT department to find that information, that's where I should go. I've got to go to C-level executives. I've got to go to the business owners that technology serves because they're the people who have to see measurable impact on what they're trying to accomplish in the business to justify expenditures in technology. As a matter of fact, it's absolutely a requirement. If you think of an IT organization or you think about a buying organization, you think about procurement, they're applauded for a job well done when what they have purchased and installed and implemented in the organization is having measurable impact on what the business is trying to accomplish. If I don't have contact with those people that I'm trying to impact, I'm doing nothing more than showing like products and services that my mm-hmm. competitors can, and it goes back to this commoditization. If it Once again, most products will do more than the average customer could ever imagine using, so we all look the same unless we find ways to have greater impact on what the business is trying to accomplish. I've got to move out of the buying organization to find ways in which I have greater impact. Otherwise, I'm a commodity, and price Absolutely. becomes a determining factor for my buyers. Good point. I'd like uh, Kimberly or Nicholas to chime in. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Mobility, social, how are these affecting the ability of the sales organization to effectively 
be transformed when we've added, uh, Kimberly, if you will, we've added all kinds of new spots to the leopard because things are moving fast. The customer owns your brand. People are talking, yak, 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 about if they're happy or not happy with you. We've done a lot of shows on customer experience. How does this impact the ability of sales to change fast enough to deal with this? Kimberly or Nicholas, either one? I'll let Kimberly have a go because I was last to comment before Bob. So. Kimberly? Yeah, so so again, just as the client is uh, definitely getting um, smarter about um, the, the solutions that they need to help support what they are driving in their business, um, certainly the social aspect of business is allowing us to learn a lot more about our clients as we work to help them you know, meet their goals and their business objectives. So I think from the standpoint of, you know, things um, that allow you to listen, right, to uh, not literally but figuratively listen to what are your clients' clients saying about them, um, what are your clients saying, and being able to get alerts only helps make you a, a much greater value to your client's organization if you know more about them. So I think that that is a, a good thing. I think just the mobilization of business process is um, having huge impacts across sales productivity and the ability to get things done faster. So I think um, just very impactful. Thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, Nicholas, I know you have something to say. Go ahead. I'll give you a, one yeah, minute and then we're going to go to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of quick comments. I mean, definitely, I mean, I think, you know, the social element links back to the previous question as well. You know, um, if you're using tools, you know, LinkedIn or, you know, wonderful tools on platforms like Inside View, they can quickly give you deeper insights, richer insights um, around the stakeholders that you're looking to engage with. And, you know, using Focus.com or, you know, again, LinkedIn Answers is a great way to also source some potential um, leads as well as you know um, uh, you know enable you to participate and I think this is the this is the key is sharing if we think of the social world now it's all about sharing content engaging creating value um, and I think really savvy smart salespeople are looking for opportunities where they can share their insights with their with their customers or their um, potential customers and I think that's um, you know definitely a, a, an area of opportunity and growing opportunity for for salespeople today mobile without a doubt I mean it's a new it's an old concept mobility's been around for a while, but we've seen a fundamental transformation with the, you know, with the smartphones and tablet technologies, with 3G, Wi-Fi connectivity pretty much accessible anywhere in the world. I travel globally often, and you know, I, I pretty much work. Um, I often joke that my third office is, you know, Starbucks. You know, so um, <laughs> I can connect pretty much anywhere, and this is really empowering salespeople. It's giving them the, the agility to literally respond to circumstances as they unfold. So, you know, I could be on a flight and, you know, chatting to the guy next to me and find out that, you know, he's prospectively uh, potentially interested in a, in a product I'm selling and literally do a pitch there with a mobile device. Um, that's an extreme example, but, you know, that's, that's what was, what's potentially available. So I do really believe mobility is going to really transform. I actually am going to be so bold as to predict that, you know, 80 to 90% of um, CRM access in terms of as a technology platform will occur from mobile devices moving forward. 
Well, I want you to hold that thought because right after the break, and we're going to take a one-minute break really fast. We have so much to say. We're going to do the crystal ball segment, Nicholas, and I'm going to give each of you about a minute and a half on the clock to tell me your predictions. And the question for all three of my wonderful panelists will be, gaze into your crystal ball and predict if today's sales transformation conversation will be a thing of the past by 2017. Will we get there or will we still be talking about it? This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that mouse we'll be right back real fast take a sip and we're coming back brad out the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9% of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision making in real time no matter where they are SAP and Sybase and SAP company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we go, crystal ball time. I'm going to ask my three panelists in the order in which I brought them on. First, Bob Nichols and Kimberly Sr. and then Nicholas Kontopoulos. And we're going to ask the question, will sales transformation be a done deal by 2017 or fill in the blank? Predict as far out as you want to go. Bob Nichols, what do you see? Short answer, no. Yes. (laughs) I wish. You know, as Kimberly (laughs) said, sales transformation is a marathon. It's, It's not a sprint. So for larger organizations, if you're not engaged in sales transformation now, 2017 likely won't happen. I do believe, though, that sales growth and in some cases even survival is dependent upon it. You know, competition is way too fierce to rely on trying to differentiate products and services. Organizations are going to be forced to find ways to be better partners with their customers. And in business, I think somebody mentioned this, you can't sit still. You, you go back to the, uh, the, the author you quoted about campers, right? In business, you're either moving forward or you're sliding backwards. Even if you could stay still, you'll be trampled by those organizations blasting over you, right? So everyone fears commoditization, but companies forget they play a role in their products and services becoming the commodity. They they give up on finding ways in which they are different. So the message is don't wait. You've got to be proactive. If you want to transform by 2017, recognize the need for change today and begin your journey tomorrow, right? Every day you wait is costing your business in, in significant and measurable ways. Thank you, Bob. Great insights. Appreciate it. Kimberly Sr., AT&T, what do you see in your crystal ball, Kimberly? Well, first I'd like to say I'd love to have a crystal ball. Uh, but since, <laughs> since, since I, since I don't, here, here's probably what I would bet on. 
Right. In 2017, you know, companies will still be talking about the need to transform um, because, as Bob said, if, you're, if we're not evolving, if we're not transforming, then we're likely falling behind. Second, um, success in selling will require organizations to put the customer's business first, as we've already talked about. The days of do you buy, who do you buy it from, and what will it take for you to buy it from me are gone in selling. If you're not selling to positively impact your client's business rather than your pocketbooks, you won't be selling. And, and finally, I think that the move to virtualize and mobilize every business process will fundamentally transform how sales, sales support, marketing, and customer care get their work done. Thank you, Kimberly. Great insights as well. And Nicholas Kontopoulos, all the way from Singapore. Is it midnight or after midnight already? Are we in another day, Nicholas? It's uh, it's actually coming up to midnight now, actually. So yeah, we're nearly heading into my new day. So well, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I jumped the gun on the on the last comment. I, you know, in terms of the role okay. of the billion, I, 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 again agree with Kimberly's points and Bob's points on this. Um, I definitely see. Um, I would say that by 2017, those companies that are truly succeeding have definitely become far um, uh, customer-centric organizations in that, that the whole, as I said earlier, that the whole organization um, looks at itself as a sales organization and aligns itself to the customer's needs. Um, and that ultimately there I see uh, sales organizations uh, moving away from being purely about the art and becoming more um, embracing the science. So again, looking at how um, they can embrace um, you know, analytics and insights that can be dr- um, driven out of those uh, capabilities um, versus just relying purely on the gut and, and ultimately relationships, is which, which is where we've come from, I think. So we definitely see more of a, an embracing of um, the science of selling um, versus just relying on the arts. I appreciate that. And I have a, a question. I, we are going to grab an extra minute here. We just got the okay from Brad before we wrap. I have a question for all three of you. This is a bonus question. I'm going to cite here a tweet from Jamie. He says, as long as companies remain slaves to 90-day reporting cycles and Wall Street, true sales behavioral change will be tough. So, Bob, give me the 30-second answer to Jamie. What do you see? Wow, you're absolutely right. You know, frankly, the, uh, Wall Street has a lot to do with our companies, how, how they're viewed in terms of their success. And those numbers trickle downhill and end up landing on a salesperson's desk. And now say you, you, you say, go execute. So the reality is senior managers have to buy into this transformation. In other words, they have to see that, that changing the behavior of their organization is the sole thing that can be done to improve results on Wall Street. It can't happen overnight, but it can't happen any other way, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, the process in the field has to certainly mirror the things that have to happen in terms of behavior to produce the numbers Wall Street expects. Otherwise, it'll never happen. Kimberly, Wall Street, 90-day reporting cycles, what do you see? It, it, is the, it is the genius of the and. The reality in the sales game, and it's not going to go away, is you have to have a balance between paying the light bills today and doing what's right for the future. So that's what makes a sales leader's job so interesting. So the reporting's not going to go away. The drive to get, you know, 30, 60, 90 day is still going to be there. But it is you have to be doing both pay the light bills and, and focus on the future, focus on your client. But it's the genius of the and. Appreciate that. Great insight as always. And Nicholas, what do you see for this response to Jamie? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I spot on and agree with the Jamie's analysis, and, and I actually think this is where we're, Western businesses are going to be exposed to the those coming out of the East and Latin American markets, where they take much more of a longer view and are willing to take a you know five ten year view. Um, so I actually see that being becoming a bigger threat for Western-based businesses who do work on that 90-day cycle. The public, you know, obviously the publicly publicly listed companies. Um, so I think this is where we need to have CEOs become more bolder in challenging that um, that sort of uh, culture. Um, and I had hoped that was going to happen after the, the global economic downturn um, because I, I do blame the analysts uh, uh, heavily for for the troubles we had back then. So I'm hoping. There will be a change, and I think that will be driven by, um, you know, China, India, um, the emerging markets. To be honest. Great insights. Thank you. And now it's time for me to give my predictions. Number one, I'm going to predict that my three guests are going to come back and do a part two because we have so much more to cover. Do I have a yes from Bob, from Kimberly, and Nicholas? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. I'll send you a date. Now here, my normal predictions are what's coming up here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Let's see now. Tomorrow is Thursday, August 16th, and happy birthday to my son in advance. And we're going to be talking about HR globalization, ready or not. Is your workforce ready, your sales force ready to leave their home-based comfort zone and go out and deal with other cultures around the world? Really, truly? Not sure? You have to listen into that one. That's in the cloud with Game Changers tomorrow. And next week here on Coffee Break, August 22nd, the future of digital marketing. We're going to talk about attribution measurement. If you don't know what it is, we're going to give you a primer or a primer, however you pronounce it, and you have to listen. Wednesday, August 29th, part two of the sweet and sour of getting investors, the do's and don'ts of making the deal, part two. And then on In the Cloud, August 23rd, Rogue IT, part two. Ooh, who's buying and doing what in technology outside of your IT department, and are they right? Is it adding value? I want to do some shout-outs. Thank you to Patricia Harris, to Anka Rebel, to Malcolm Kimberlin, and the Business Channel team. And Malcolm, thanks for figuring out a way so we can get Nicholas on such a wonderfully clear line all the way from Singapore. We now know how to do it. Thank you to Bob Nichols. Rib, hope you heal better. Don't keep being a pain to Bob. Kimberly, thank you for your insights and your beautiful voice. Nicholas, delighted to have you, and we will do it again. And here's my message to our listeners. Go out and be a game-changer for your company for your own life, for your community. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow and in the cloud with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.